maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. East Forest, welcome to Becoming Legendary. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you. So um, I want to I wanna just kind of offer a little window of insight from you to anyone who may not know your origin story. So can you give us the like 30-second synopsis of, of your origin? Uh, no, that's probably impossible. But I can say that <laughs> um, I am a guy who makes music that uh, centers around the inner journey, I suppose. And then it, that bounces off into other things beyond just the music. But I'm just trying to figure out what it means to live in this wacky life like everybody else. But this is just sort of my way of doing it. Um, that's, that's about it, I suppose. All right. So you, you're, you, your music style is pretty unique, um, almost like a, a ceremonial quality to what you, what you offer the world. Are, is, that, is that sensation of ceremonial really something that you set out to, to create? Or is it just something that naturally bubbled up through you? Well, I, I do think it naturally bubbled up, but it also is intentionally desired. Um, you know, the, long ago, 13 years ago, the project was born somewhat inadvertently by creating music for myself to use in uh, shamanic states with psilocybin in particular. And I didn't really, I think, fully understand what I, what I was wanting to do or stepping into. But, but it was actually like that act of kind of listening intentionally with medicine perhaps or and that's a kind of ceremony and that absolutely unlocked everything for me and so i think since then i kind of like to look at music as a, as how it can be a tool mm -hmm. and in doing so you know how does it become a tool it's like how you choose to use that tool and yeah. that element of choice in a lot of ways is is what ceremony is like it's it's saying like you're bringing that intentionality to it so I think that simple act is what unlocks a lot of potential. I like so, that. Yeah, go ahead, yeah that's, I think that's, I think that's one, one, I think that's really, really interesting is the, 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 there are infinite, there are infinite choices in our life, right? There, there's just infinite possibility and we're surrounded and we're connected in, we're connected into even more infinite choices and possibility through the internet. Um, but you can look at, like, you can look at music and, and the infinite choices within music. So, I think you roll back a couple decades and you look at Rage Against the Machine and their music is remarkably powerful. It, it, has, it has intention and it has, it has meaning and, and it has a profound direction. And I would argue that there's a, there's a, there's a parallelness to the, to the message component, to the final end message component, to a, a lot of what, of what you do, and yet the dissimilarity between the musical styles is so vast. How did, how did this particular musical style uh, get into you? I mean, did it happen before, before the psilocybin? Were you, were you a part of this, this sound, or, or did it just, did it bubble up after that experience? Yeah. I guess a bit of both. Um, I mean, I it's part of it. It was mechanical in that after I started making music, a friend of mine pushed me into leading psilocybin ceremonies where I would guide people with music, mm -hmm. and so I, there was just this very practical need of trying to figure out how to do that by myself for a long period of time, like up to six hours, um, and so looping you know, was one way to do that. And things, I started playing around with different um, methods, uh, the mu music methods to like what would guide someone through a journey. So it had a very specific purpose. And after doing that for several years, uh, a, a musical language came out of that. 
Mm. And and that's what really brought forth a lot of my early records are from those ceremonies. Uh, so like Crystal Starship or um, like that's a ceremony, one of the early ones. And I'm improvising and I'm just in that space with the with the live rig, which is not that different than what I have now, but just a little more uh, layers added on. But before that, you know, I was trying to do different kinds of music things and find my voice. And you, you don't really know, I think, if you've quote unquote found your voice until you, until you, maybe you never do, because you always think you're kind of finding it. But I was doing like um, more traditional, like indie pop, piano driven and I was I was more like a songwriter in a traditional sense and really trying to do that stuff pretty hard and, and playing in some other bands. I was in New York City at the time and I did that for a long time. And I think that informed for me a lot about like song structure, hooks, uh, learning the early stages of how to record and being in studios and learning all that stuff and getting my hands dirty a bit and trying to figure out like how do you do all the things you do when you're hustling as a band and trying to perform and book your shows and all the stuff. And so musically speaking, that really, you know, I really appreciate like a, a good hook. And I, I, I like to play with song structure. Like I know what it means and the value of having a really strong song structure. But then with East Forest, I have the, the freedom at times to completely destroy that or, or say like, well, maybe I'm going to like throw the chorus in only once what is sort of like a chorus near the end after eight minutes of this exploration, I'm aware of that. And, or it's like, there'll be a song that's essentially, you know, people say my music's ambient a lot. And I think that's a very diffuse term for diffuse music, but it's not, you know, I'm not really sure what that actually means because my music's very melodic typically. Mm, totally. And there are often like melodic hooks and ideas in there that help it in my mind be very listenable because there's a melody there's a story yeah. and and that there's a theme and that theme might come back and those are all remnants of my earlier forms of music where i was just like i love to write you know hooks yeah. and or make like a good beat and more than anything like each song is a sonic world where more than the lyrics more than like the constituent parts that make it up or even the hooks or no hooks or whatever the melodies it's just the vibe that it puts yeah. out yeah. and it either like locks in and has the vi a vibe or it's like, no, nah, this one hasn't really, it's not quite there. And like, it might be interesting, but it's like, it doesn't really have that je ne sais quoi of like, there's something mm -hmm. like kind of special there. Yeah. And sometimes that's happens through very simple things like just, you know, one instrument. And sometimes it's like all these complicated layers and then it's like, Oh, there it is. But it is. that's always a mystery. The The mystery that I want to talk about with you specifically, um, Krishna is, is a couple, a couple layers of that. First of all, I think you, you spoke to me, um, with, with, by saying the musical language that you've created, right. And also, um, also the vibe, your music has both. And I've had the, the absolute privilege of playing your music out in public at 10 plus yoga classes per week for the past three years of my life. And the, I always place your songs either at the beginning during a warm up or at the end during a cool down or even towards the shavasana right so there is there's a in every one of my classes I have probably 30 different playlists every one of those playlists include one or two of your tracks in the beginning and the end and there's been so many times walking out of out of class out of practice that the students will come up to me and say who is that I said, who is what, you know, who's, who's playing that beginning track. Who's playing. The th they know exactly where it's at, like in the, in the whole practice. So a couple questions for them. One, were you practicing yoga or were you listening to the music? <laughs> that's number one. That's kind of a joke, but, but, but number two is I should apologize. I suppose. Yeah. They're pulling them out of your practice. <laughs> no, not at all, man. But, but number two is more specifically is that it drops them down into their bodies Right, so whether or not there's the psilocybin component to it or not, um, your music has a magical way of bringing someone back to their heart. Um, so I, I'd like to thank you, number one, for that, and number two, your heart space seems 
from my perspective, from my lens, like it's just, it just reverbs. It just gives, like it sends, I can feel it like through this, through the time and space here. I feel it on the East Forest Council, you know? So is, is your heart space, is that vibe, is that center for you, an area that you've worked on to cultivate? Cause I can certainly feel it through your offerings. <laughs> Thanks for that, Brian. And thank you for uh, trusting it. But um, do I work at it? Yeah, a lot. But I work at it a lot because, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, friends of mine, or they, you know, they'll, you know, my my exterior or sort of day to day energy is, you know, can be kind of gruff or kind of. Um, I'm trying to find the right words for it. Uh, I don't know. Let's just call it rough and. And then they'll feel like what they hear in the music is sort of like to them, they're like, what is that? You know, it's like a whole whole other energy coming out. And for me, it's more like, um, you know, we all have our public sort of personas and our private personas. And and I think I'm always just chasing a particular energy because it's, it's a, it's like a balm for me. It's, it's Mm. a salve that is, um, kind of medicine to help me just f- feel better. It's the way of getting in touch with that thing that we all are. And I found that by doing it, by creating music that way, like by actually like finding, oh, these chords make me feel that way. It just feels good for me. And it's it's just a blessing for me that that can resonate with others and turn into something that uh, can become a essentially a job. I mean, thank God. It's like the thing that I need to do uh, can be the thing I, I need to do because it's like, okay, now it's like the thing I'm supposed to do every day. Right. So it's sort of like, okay, I need to like uh, do it now. It's sort of like got to clock in. But thankfully, like the thing I'm doing is it's very self-serving for me because it if I didn't create like that, I don't think I'd feel, I feel very depressed and anxious. And so it's it's a it's a practice for me. In the way, like I'm sure maybe yoga for you, that's not my dharma, but music for me has become something that like that. And it's not always like that. It's like I fall off where it's like, sometimes it's like surfing. Like sometimes it really feels like it's clicking, but creating is a kind of drug. It's You got to be careful because on one hand, I, it's a vitamin I need, but it's like if you have too much of it, you can kind of feel sick. Right, because it, it, it's too much like it's, too much good it's like and you'll burn out in a way so it's sort of like steady little bits you know consistency keeping your head on straight trying to stay humble and making mistakes growing making making noise making bad songs experimenting those are all really important things um to know that you're still kind of on your edge and growing as a person yeah that's super important growth is something that that comes out of being uncomfortable Right. So um, a lot of times, if you can lean into things that are uncomfortable, even like in the creative process, like you were talking about, or for me in my practice would be like teaching a yoga class without a script. Right. That's kind of throwing everything to the to the wind and seeing where it lands. I think those are the most um, can be some of the most magical times for both the receiver and the practitioner, like and the giver, if you will. Yeah, it probably feels more alive, you know, like a conversation. And, yeah. and concerts can be the same way where, and, and there's something about like the ceremony concerts I've played that were medicine ceremonies, like, like music for, for mushrooms, for instance, you know, that is a live and improvised ceremony. Um, but I wouldn't feel as comfortable <clears throat> doing that in a space that was where people bought tickets and they weren't on doing a mushroom ceremony because I, I would feel more self-conscious. I wouldn't feel like they're receiving me in quite the same way. I, I wouldn't feel the same freedom to explore for like half an hour to find like a groove. It, whereas in the mushroom space, I'm like, that's the point in a way. It's like, <laughs> so I haven't for myself, like, but I also think like that would be maybe the ultimate manifestation of my work publicly is me finding my own faith and trust and really being totally vulnerable like that and being like, I don't know, here we go. And one of my favorite artists, Keith Jarrett, that's the way he would perform. And and that guy's a monster of monster. a 
player, um, but he could play anything. I can't, <laughs> you know, I'm a one trick <laughs> pony, uh, but I admire that ability to step out in front of all those folks who've paid big money. And they're like, we really want to be like, we want to have a special experience. And you're like, well, I, here we go. Let's see what happens and, and really let it go where it wants to go. Let it go where it wants to go. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah. tough. It's tough when there's expectation. Uh, expectation brings everything down, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's it sets you up for disappointment. There you go. So, I mean, that's, it, it kind of just it. is what it is. But when yeah. you have something, you want something to be, and it's not that thing, then yeah. frustration it's, ensues. It's, <laughs> exactly. So you really, you really open yourself up to the potential for expectations with your embrace of the internet, right? Because I think one of the things that I, I've really appreciated or noticed about you is you really have seemed to em embrace sharing and distributing through, through this relatively new means, right? I think for, for some people listening to this, they're not even going to understand the fact that the, that the internet is a distribution means that is relatively new, but the reality is it is a, a, a new, a, a new distribution platform and it, it was fought against for quite some time, but I feel like you've really embraced that a infinite possibilities that are, that are there. And again, it's like, there are, there are infinite options. So you don't ha you didn't have to, to settle into the embracing of the internet, but, and, and especially in this like delicate sharing of, of ceremonial energy, right? It's like, there's a, there's a level of barrier that is inherently there when we, when we interact through the internet and we're all kind of getting a little bit better at that thanks to the last year and a half. Um, but what is it like to put yourself out there in, in a ceremonial way, right? Something that has been traditionally very, very close knit and, and protected and, mm. and opening it up to yeah. seven and a half billion people. Well, I, I wish seven and a half billion people <laughs> were listening, but, but they have um, access to it, right? Yeah. Like are close to seven and a half billion people. Six billion have access to it. Well, I, I think honestly, I'm a child of the um, the digital revolution. I wouldn't exist without it, and um, I think so. I, I started making music in 2001, and that was right when like the very first um, it was like the M box. It was called. It was like the, the very first you could kind of do it yourself, like on Pro Tools on your computer, I had a little iMac. Yeah. The ones that was like the color, you know, yeah, yeah. first iMac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the boxy one. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a big deal. Like that you could, you could now record music on your own. And because there would be no way I would have the ability to explore making strange music in a studio and pay for that. And, and more of the self-consciousness, it just would never happen. And then on top of that, to be able to share it through a system where you could just put it out there. Um, you know, that was MySpace back then. MySpace. <laughs> and, and that was free. And, and that was a way as a new distribution system. So for myself, frankly, at that time, I, I wasn't trying to really make any money off it. I was just trying to get it out there to see my, like my very first record. I had such a powerful experience with it myself that I, I ended up uh, releasing it on a creative commons license. And it's still, that's why eastforces.org and it's still free to download on my website because I, I wanted you know, elements of the project to be in the gift and the whole thing to be in the spirit of the gift. Mm. Um, I have to recognize that I'm still trying to uh, make a living with it, but uh, it was important to me to like keep that mindset. And so early on, I wasn't trying to like, you know, it wasn't a, I didn't have the option to like make money off it. It was just like, yeah. you know, put it out there and, and like everything else in the world. And it was the yoga industry was the first yeah. to pick it up because I think they were seeing, they were seeking in a similar way that I was just through a different medium. And so they recognized first, like what I was putting out and it made sense to them. And I wasn't a yogi. Uh, so that was sort of strange or just news to me. And they were the first ones to, it was the Wanderlust Festival. It was like oh, hired sure. me to play um, 
Like there was one summer where I played a, a bunch of their festivals and drove all around and made a little tour. I think that was Actually, 2014 yeah. or 2015. And yeah. it was a big learning curve, <laughs> but it also helped sort of get things going and build an audience from, from the ground up. Who did you see as your audience when you, re- when, you, when you were done with album one? Who did you think was going to gravitate to your music? I mean, I, I honestly thought it was for anyone. Like, I didn't think it was limited for, for yogis at all. Uh, so, and I, I thought it had a universe, universal message. And even, in some ways, a universal music approach. I kind of intentionally wanted to make something that was timeless and not trending in any particular style like i was sort of avoiding it being one thing and not to say like this is the hip-hop song this is the ambient song it was just like they each kind of went where they want and it was more experimental in that sense but but as we said still wanted to have melody and and there was like a through line and like it wouldn't it would hold you through it it wasn't just it wasn't just weird like wow this is some strange stuff um (laughs) i wanted people to be like no this is very easy to it, it grabs my attention. Um, so in that sense, I didn't have a particular audience other, other than people who are just sort of seekers. They're just, they've already, they just made the decision that they, they want to find more. And now that doorway is open to them. And this was just another tool to help them on that path. Let me, let me get this really quick. Cause I yeah. think this is, I think this is a really interesting thing because one of the things that's really unique about you is is the way you interlace uh, dialogue, right? So there's you you use like there's a there's a picture or there's a painting of Ram Dass behind you, and you you have you have the spoken word of Ram Dass interlaced in and, and woven in throughout the narrative of of the of the ambiance of the music, um, and I see like the the ability to deliver and connect uh, Ramdas messages to new audiences is like a really beautiful thing, and and I see kind of your your stylings as this this aid in this generational transition as as the millennials kind of take over over the next fifteen years and help settle down our society. Um, I, I see that the ideas that you're sharing and, and the way that these ideas are connecting with this generation as a really important piece of this transition into an inclusionary society. Do you feel, do you feel that fabric connecting when, when you're putting stuff out? I think I want to build bridges. Absolutely. Uh, my intention is not to be exclusionary or to write for one particular group so my hope is that that through line to our inner lives that's a human experience so i i we all know that and so i think the bridge i'm trying to build is across these perceived divides whether Mm. it's generational or social or racial uh or national even You know, and that's what's kind of cool about music is that it's can be it transcends language, uh, and so uh, I mean, look, I do what I do, but I I hope and my aim is that it's a way of kind of creating that bridge internally for someone to to connect with their own inner life, and in turn, when you do that, you usually end up connecting with those around you and the world around you because it breaks down that that veil of separation. Just I really that see word. that bridge yeah. between the boomers and the millennials, between the Ram Dass era of like Generation X, and 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 that through line. I, I really I really view you as that link. Um, so from an outside perspective, it's a really beautiful thing to see a bridge that is connecting these, these generational components and really offering this this inclusionary space. So that I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I mean, I. It's just, look, I'm just another person in the chorus. There's so many voices doing that kind of work. Um, but Ram Dass passed the baton to so many uh, beings in so many beautiful ways mm. and such a powerful teacher. And it's incredibly humbling and honoring to take his words and literally like spread them out uh, when I'm performing and, and watch that, uh, him, just to lend a, a small hand in his teachings 
to flourish today. It's it's interesting that um, your your music, specifically the Ram Dass album, has led me into a deep dive into um, into Ram Dass's teachings. I was I was aware. I didn't understand everything about him. So I spent a week, uh, nine days in Hawaii recently. And, um, and my wife and I in Maui actually where his house, where his, um, where you were recording actually. Yeah. So mm. it's, it's not, it's not open right now for tours, which was unfortunate, but, um, we got, we drove by the, the area. And what I'm really trying to say is that, is that it, it from, so from a novice sort of Ram Dass, um, student, if you will, it's the tracks, the the individual segments, the, the things that you chopped up and added into the different tracks. Like the way that the way that it's being presented has allowed me to understand his teachings in a little bit of a deeper way, um, which has been which has been really profound. It, you've you've broken down like you know you can you can download eight hours or nine hours worth of lectures in one single you know audio book or whatever and that's what i've done and and i noticed your tracks are they're his words but he's he's taken things he's said before and maybe said them in a, a little bit of a different way or again with your underlaying of the of the musical um compositions underneath that it's 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 powerful and it's and from from like from from the witness from my soul's point of view, um, the unchangeable soul, the music, your music, it, it it penetrates it penetrates the human ego, and it dives deeper into the soul aspect of it. it's soul music, Krishna. Whether or not you like it or not, brother, it's soul music, and and I mean that with with um with so much passion. It's you're right. The word separate, it's broken down for me and my friends, me and my wife, me and my yoga students. It's broken down that word that we're so focused on it being separate, that we think we're separate from one another. It's, it's bled those lines, broken down that barrier and allowed us to connect my wife, my friends, my yoga students in a deeper way that without your offerings, man, I don't know if it would have happened for me. So it's, it's magic. And that's what I'm leading towards my next question for you is what is magic? What does that mean for you? Cause you deliver it in your music every single day. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm magic. I, it must be, it's, it's opening yourself up to something larger mm. than your mind and opening yourself up to the flow of the river that you're in. And, um, that's easier said than done, but it's simple. And, it's it maybe just a process of jumping in and and really trying to see how you're held because okay. it's easy to kind of sometimes look at when you fall and like well see i wasn't held but it's like maybe you were if you look at the whole picture and and in doing that you learn to trust i think more and more and so i have the benefit of just doing that over and over again so it helps it helps teach me that i can leap but as I was saying, I think I still have a long way to go where I could I could probably leap a lot more and probably be held. I'm just afraid to. But yeah. um, you're a human, right? That's what comes with being a human. Well, it's a process, you yeah. know. So we'll see where it ends up. But <laughs> um, every day I try to take some risks like that, and 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 because you can't you can't really flow and grow into bigger and greater things on your own. Like you have to be part of a, the larger thing because so if, if I grip too tightly, it probably will never happen or it's, you're just sort of, it's like you're just trying to stop the, the, the water, but it's trying to just flow through your hands and your fingers. So that's, that's something I'm always working on is kind of loosening that grip. That sounds like a recent um, lyric from one of your new tracks. <laughs> Loosening the grip. That, I th that I think phrase is in my yeah, head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's speaking of your new tracks. The the, the newest one that I really appreciate, besides what well, the whole album so far is amazing and possible. Um, check that out if you're listeners if you haven't already. Anything east eastforest.org, correct? And anywhere you find music. Correct. Yeah. Um, that was a shout out, by the way, a plug for you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, no, but more specifically, the, I'm looking it up right now because I, when we're talking, I can't remember the name of it. I've only released, I mean, I don't know when this will come out, but there's like a, a song, there's only four out, and that all culminates in the record releasing in July. 
which will be 11 songs, sort of a traditional length. Yes. And um, it's it's sort of contemporary classical in nature, this particular record. And some of it has some spoken word and some of it has some lyrics, but a lot of it's instrumental. And it features um, some people who were from my podcast actually talking and some wonderful musicians. And so, yeah, I think so. There's four tracks. Undying was the last one. And then Can't Fall Out of Love, I believe. Was That's yeah, that's what I was referring to. Can't fall out of love. That that is. The, I, I listened to the deep dive and how that was created, and out of uh, the space medicine, right, as you called it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, very powerful ketamine experience. Yeah, that was not that easy, but yeah. out of it, uh, you know, I guess some insights. So it hasn't been all challenge. It and you, you spoke about taking risks, right? And and that and that in and of itself, like for an artist to to really be truthful about the origin of a track, I think is, is admirable and honorable. And it, and it allows, it allows the receiver to, to connect with it on a little bit of a deeper level. I, my, myself personally, I've, I've tried ketamine on a, on a, not in a ceremonial type of way. Right. So uh, my experience wasn't the greatest with that, but um, I, I the, the words that, that come out of that track is, is, makes me feel like like takes me through some of my not so happy journeys if you will and allows me to to reframe those right so so thank you for that again man it's like it's it's by you stepping out of your comfort zone and taking a risk you give other people permission to do the same so that is powerful stuff yeah thanks man i mean i that was sort of again trying that in the past and it going okay but you know at first it's always that first time and in 2012, I, I put out a song <clears throat> called Grandmother's Sphere that was similar in that it was a recording from my first ayahuasca experience. And I remember it was sort of an afterthought. And I just kind of thought, wow, this is people are going to make fun of this. Like, this is too vulnerable. It's like a drug story. <laughs> I, I really almost didn't put that one out. And it was sort of the last thing I did on the record just very quickly. Um, but that ended up being, you know, resonant for a lot of folks. And, and I, I can see that now, but sometimes when you're in that space, you know, it's like that gave me faith and other times so, where so. it's like, oh, you can sometimes, I think we're all looking for that vulnerability and authenticity mm. because, um, it feels real, <laughs> like more than I think. That's what we want, really deep down. We don't want to be lied to or feel like it's everything's fake because a lot of things are kind of fake. Yes, nothing will connect you to other humans more than than authentic vulnerability. There, it, yeah. There's, there are. If you want to create a bridge to people, that that authentic vulnerability is is the main line. the The main line drug of connection is vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can couch it inside a song that's, you know, people like, it's like you have a double whammy and that's like the, the so Ronda stuff, like he's a master and like everything he said is amazing and the music just amplifies it, you know? Yeah, that's so that's point. why it's so powerful. Cause it's like on its own, it's amazing stuff. And we're just putting this support. Basically it's like a little score. It's like a movie score. Like the script is great. Mm. And then you add in like amazing score behind it. And now it's just like, it's lifted up. It connects the dots emotionally yeah. even more. And then you drop like that lyricist on uh, electronic C who's that rapper dude. He is phenomenal. Oh, that's I... a stick man from dead. Yes. Prez. Oh, dead Prez, um, oh, sick. Yeah. They're not as active these days, but he's, he's a great guy. And I got introduced to him through a friend. I think it was Ayers at LA. And I reached out and I asked him if he'd be interested and eventually said yes. And I was like, we're kind of on a deadline because we and he was in Atlanta. I was in Portland at the time. And I remember being like, I could be there like Thursday. And this was like Sunday. And he's, we worked it out. We found some studio. It was, and I was like, we booked the studio. I was like, I'll meet you there at like seven o'clock. And I flew there in the morning, landed, went straight to the studio, got some like barbecue on the way. Took it with me. <laughs> yeah. We recorded for like several hours. And then I went to some Airbnb at like one in the morning. I remember I could hardly find it and literally like woke up 
and went right back to the airport like seven in the morning at home <laughs> and it worked. And I was yeah, like, I worked. can't believe that worked. Um, yes. but he's, he's a great guy and he really yeah. cared about, it was fun. It was fun to like dig into, um, he, he, he worked all that up on the spot. Like he created lyrics. We worked on the phone a lot, but then he threw all that out and he was just in the booth and he's like, you know, what about this? And he really wanted to dig into the meaning. And that song is tricky because it was, we were, it was kind of near the end of the session and Ram Dass, I think it almost was like, almost like he didn't quite get all of it out. Yeah. And so he's talking about some concepts, but he doesn't quite put his finger on what he's saying. And so it leaves it up for some interpretation. And that's why we were really trying to dig in like, well, how do we want to, especially like if you think about it, if someone's adding more words to the song, it's kind of a big deal. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <you're> <laughs> add, so how are you going to like add to what the guy's saying? And I thought he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Super sick. Yeah, definitely, man. When when you were with, when you spent time with Ram Dass, was it, um, how long were you there for? And was it, and how was it? I'm not sure where I'm picking what I'm, what's coming through my brain right now, but I know, I think you said it was towards the end of his, his time here on earth. Right. And it was, yeah. and the recording sessions that you had with him, um, were hours of recording where he would only say a few words. Is yeah. That, yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I was there for a week. Yeah. Okay. Or so the first time. And, um, we met just a couple times to do recording. Other times were more just social. And he had aphasia from a stroke. Um, That's what it was. Yeah. Maybe, you know, 15 years or more or something before that, where he was in a wheelchair. And so he has his brain, he can think, he just can't connect it to words. It's really wow. hard. And some days would be better than others. And so he might say one word. And then it'd be 30 seconds until the next word. And then 15 seconds till the next word. So it'd take a really long time. This, you know, he might say something that truncates down to less than a minute. It could take 30, 30 minutes or 15, 30 minutes and be very difficult to follow the train of thought. Yeah. But that was the magic of taking out the pauses and putting it behind music is now mm -hmm. it, he comes alive inside mm -hmm. the music. And he's fully there. Yeah. yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. You can feel it. You can feel it. You can feel the... <sighs> The words that he says sometimes you can it, it, it takes him a little bit longer to to say the word that he's that he's trying to say, but but it's yeah but like in that in the depth of, of of the word trying to manifest, you can feel like the the soulness of it, right? Where it's coming from, the profound, very intentional. That's and it. He also is speaking from a place of wisdom, and yes. you're hearing someone who's essentially dying, and I thought that was really powerful. Um, yeah. Like, and he. Like you can hear his age, but to me that sounds like wisdom. Not it's not like feebleness. It's, no, it's experience. And there was some pushback initially, um, in internally about like they didn't want you know about him sounding old. And I was uh, like, that's the good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was trying yeah. to impart on them. It's like, of course he was stronger in the past, but um, sure. he still got a lot to offer. And I, I, and I think that bore some truth in the end. It, it did absolutely, and what and what it allowed. What it, what it allows is it gives him it gives you us a, a different perspective on death, right? Because because he was the way he speaks about it, that his energy even towards the end was so was so profound and so powerful, and so and so still so so much coming from a place of love, right? And and so just having that transmute through the music or through his words, it gives someone. You know, like me, like you, like Patrick, like anyone listening who who thinks about that final, ultimate thing that's that's we're all guaranteed, right? Death and taxes. So it 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 frames a little bit of a, a different perspective on that. Something that I really resonated with. Powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a big experience. It's still unfolding. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Ram Dass describes himself as a as a window, right? And, and his teacher, mm -hmm. Nimpoli Baba, is kind of the the beam of energy that he uh, let, lets through this window, this observation piece. And one of the things one of the things that is really deep within that lineage's teachings is is cultivating the observer. And I mean, that's kind of the the thing, right? And then um, and and they they speak a lot about about this this other entity, this ego component. 
and and something I've heard I've heard you say I think is you you've discovered that the ego can be a teammate. Is that am I attributing that to you correctly? It's that's in that grandmother's fear song. Yeah. Um, so so ego as a teammate I think is an interesting concept because I've I've taken this approach to life that uh the ego, the, there is no separation between you and the ego, right? You can, you can create this identity, which is the ego, which is whenever you do something that's a, that's a POS move, you'd be like, well, well, that wasn't me. That was my ego. But the reality is that's you, right? You, you were the one that were the POS in this situation. And once you, once you like intertwine that idea and, and I think it's the same way as teammate, right? It's like teammate being one single entity, whatever you, a team is one entity. Um, but that, when, do you, do you, was there an incorporation of that idea in, into your, into your life, into your lifestyle that, that offered you a shift at all? Well, I think it was letting go of the idea of enlightenment as a destination mm. and that the ego is like your enemy or something to get rid of or push away. Mm. And so it was more like that idea of it being a, a teammate. So it was a perspective shift. Yeah. And I, Ram Dass would talk about, you know, sitting in the seat of your soul and watching the show go by mm. being the witness and that that's an idea of like mindfulness. And I think our ability to, to do that as people is a really powerful place to s sit in because instead of always trying to change everything, it's, there's a, you're kind of, like he says in the song, dark thoughts, you can, you can love those things. So it's sort of holding it as opposed to always trying to shift it and change it. That's a, another way of like loosening the grip, like we were saying before. So, that that was a pretty profound shift for me is, is sort of like sitting in the seat of the soul as a place to watch things as opposed to trying to beat it to death or 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 trick it or whatever you know yeah yeah, yeah. manipulate it into something else just let it let let it be what it is yeah and having that be perfect yeah. um yeah and i think i'm still discovering a lot with that one but yeah, me too yeah <laughs> always discovering every yeah. single day <laughs> yeah. yeah it can be hard at times right it's yeah. i mean that we are we are such we are such an interesting creature where we are living on this on this little ball of dirt spinning at hundreds of thousands of miles uh, an hour throughout space and and we are expecting that in this infinitely expansive universe every single thing has to has to happen just the way we want it to happen otherwise we're disappointed and and once you like like get to the point where once we identify how infinitely small we are and how how incre incrementally unimportant we are as we as we work our way out from this little tiny center of the universe that we've identified as ourselves um it, it really becomes a lot easier to 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 be okay with whatever happens if you can if you can identify yourself as as small as you truly are yeah i don't know it doesn't get any easier for me but it's like <laughs> it's, I, it's you have it's, great you expectations know, it's a pretty like profound trip every day but um i don't know yeah there's there's something there about you feel bigger and more connected and and uh maybe less attached to like the things at the same time less attached. i think this year this past year gave us a lot of opportunity to to work through some of those attachments it did for me at least right i mean yeah, a lot of them go away yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly with a simple being forced to stop doing everything um yeah and, and in that time that you spent, right, when, when there was sort of this downshift to, well, our, real, our own reality, was there, a, was there a moment in time for you that you struggled with, right? I think, I think we all struggled in our own way. And, and I'm, not, I'm not sort of asking you to dive into any sort of things you don't want to share, but, but, I'm, but I'm more specifically talking about um, your creative process, right? And, and sort of how you dive into that with this with with the world is the way it is today is was there any sort of bounce back from that in the way that in the pandemic time 
Yeah, in the pandemic time. And even moving into now when things are starting to open up, right? There's there, some of those things that that we were forced to to close down in our life now are reopening. So with mm-hmm. that comes all of the fears, all of the mm-hmm. all of the unsettledness that that humans feel, right? Well, the big one, like a lot of folks, was traveling around. I was doing a lot of touring and um I don't think I would have gotten off that treadmill if it wasn't for like the entire world stopping. Like it took something that momentous and I can, I can see it all coming back and I'm, I'm definitely cautiously stepping into that and trying to have eyes wide open about not doing things blindly. And so I, I'm not going to do it quite the same way. I'm not going to do it the same way, Uh, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like. I think it has to kind of unfold. But I, on a lot of levels, I quite enjoyed not traveling around as much. I, I missed like that connection. Sure. That was a kind of conversation and it, it, it fed energetically a lot of things. So I missed that. But I also am grateful that I'm largely a solo project. And so I was able to keep creating. Beautiful. And a lot of the possible album was done during the pandemic. And certainly finished in it so it, it presented some challenges when it, when i was like recording the strings and things like that and sure. it was not fun to like wear masks and be in hot studios but you know <laughs> we got it done um so on some levels some things didn't change but i think as yeah we're moving forward definitely trying to pay attention yeah Did the super... pandemic itself yeah. have an influence like, do, do you think that there was an influence on what was created yeah. for that album? Oh, certainly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think that album is largely swimming around the ideas, you know, that the title itself, Possible, and that sort of this idea of like, what is possible? And um, the artwork on the front of a Euroboros, a snake eating its own yes. tail, yeah. and this idea of incarnation and composting and rebirth and choice so mm. absolutely like it's it was largely informed by that time period for sure the album cover we were uh, let's see this is going to take us back to the middle of the pandemic i think when you had your it was the east force count it wasn't a council it was a ceremony but you had an offering of um the there was like a pre and post thing you did right before the ceremony on youtube i think it was and you and you brought up the picture of the snake eating itself. Oh, right. Yeah. And you, and you asked the group to go around and comment on it. And yeah. I was, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I saw the cover of the album and I was speaking to my wife. I was like, I see what he did here. He was taking, he was taking like little, you know, like a survey or like a, um, you know, like a, one of those groups that like a, that, that sit and talk about an idea. Right. So he worked. I mean, he was sh- coming up a lot at yeah. that time. Yeah. And so yeah. I was, I was talking about it a lot on podcasts yeah. and in life and, um, in the council. Yeah. And I don't remember the timeline, but yeah. Yeah. I remember like it just being around a lot. Yeah. And, and how, and how that, how that so played into the time that we were, that we were going through. Right. Yeah. And, and then sort of now we have this opportunity to figure out what's next. And like you were saying, now we have, now we, we can come from a place of, of witness and we can and we can see what didn't work for us in the past and then move forward with a sense of um well organization right of, of organiz, organiz, organizing um things in, in a way that serve you not only your performance not only you know my yoga teachings my professional life all those things are are really important um to use as you move forward right so the more that we can as a society and 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 collectively as the as we walk this path together the more the more we can really dial in the fact that like let's learn from the past let's learn from what didn't work and then let's really start to apply those tools and techniques as you move forward right so i'm anxious to see what the next record is going to be because it's going to be yours like it's going to be too (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's going to be that 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 process i'm sure of 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 figuring out what's what's best for you and what's and just how i'm doing just how patrick's doing and just how all the listeners are doing out there as well um you know you're not alone in the fact that sometimes we don't know what it's going to look like but we just know it's going to look different than what it did in the past yeah yeah so i'm really trying to stay open to whatever that wants to be but it has yet to take shape yet and we'll get there though we'll get there exactly and a lot of times I, I, I leave this with my, with my yoga, t- my yoga students. I often say this little line here. I say, you know, can you, can you notice the differences right between your lefts and rights? 
like we'll go through a right side, like vinyasa flow and then we'll, and I'll put him in child's pose and I'll say, can you notice the difference between the left and the right? And here's the piece I want to really talk about is the, it's sometimes being different, right? Is neither bad or good. It's just different. So I feel like there's also a level of expectation that bubbles up with like what different can be. And so sometimes I feel like not having any expectations or another, not having it be wrong or right is a good thing. It leaves the playing field open, right? It leaves that, it leaves the possibility of what can happen next. Which could be anything. Yeah. 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 It's, I'm just in that liminal space where I'm not, I'm, I don't know yet what it'll be. Yeah. Um, but it'll, I can feel it on the horizon. Mm, I like that. I like that. All right, man. I want to be really conscientious of your time. I know, I know you're a busy man. I start to wrap this thing up. I have one last question for you. Um, and this is a question that I, I'm, I'm working on a, a series to really share experiences of humans. So there is no way that humans uh, get the opportunity to share what goes on within our own heads. And this is something I've become more and more aware of as, as I've aged. Is can you give any descriptor of what your experience, your internal experience of meditation is like? Mm. Good question. Well, it depends how you define meditation, I suppose. Totally but, what, what your experience of meditation is, right? It could, it, music, right? Whatever it is, the, just the internal component of your version of meditation, because I think it is remarkably different for each and every one of us. I mean, at its most simplest form, it just feels like a kind of calming down and... Uh, it, it, like a softening and a slowing and uh, an expansion so maybe it's a kind of expansion but in the different flavors that it can take and a lot of times it's through playing music in those those forms but in sitting meditation i think it's similar so yeah. that's my answer that's beautiful infinite like expansion it. it's what i experience <laughs> nice Thank you so much yeah. for your time, man. Really, yeah. really appreciate you carving something out for us. Yeah, you got it, man. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks, man. We'll see you on the council this weekend too. All right. Yeah. Love it. Peace. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.